Good afternoon. It's a special edition of a, it, this is actually not Vital Idaho. It's a mashup, special edition mashup between Big Tent Radio and Vital Idaho here on KRBX. Uh, I'm your co-host, one of three, Beth Markley. Welcome. And I'll let my co-hosts introduce themselves. I'm uh, Luke Fowler, and I'm normally a co-host of the Big Tent, but we're a little early today here to talk to y'all for Radiothon. And I'm Charlie Hunt, also of the Big Tent, and it's it's awesome to be here. This is like the Avengers, except if it were for Public Affairs Thursday. I really like that analogy. I always mm. thought of myself. As I was an thinking Avenger. of like super bands from the '80s, like Damn Yankee, and like all those where you get all the different acts together, right? But uh, Avengers might be better. Okay, Avengers, or like you know, one of those one of those big uh, like Farm Aid shows, uh, right? Except oh, for yeah. radio. Yeah. Radio 8. Yeah, you know, whatever way you want to go. Like, like comic book movies, 80s bands, like however it helps you understand what's going on here, right? Whatever gets you to pick up the phone, we're your people. 208-258-2072 is the number to call during the next Power Hour. Uh, news review mashup is what we're That's calling right. this. That's right. We're going to cover some local stuff, some national stuff, uh, try and keep you informed uh, while we are... Uh, asking for your very generous donations for Radio Boise. So that number again is 208-258-2072. And as we're talking, I just want to like call to folks' attention uh, why it is important to have local voices on the air. You know, we uh, we are part of a very crowded market here uh, on the airwaves. We know that folks have a choice of who to listen to. And I was just listening to one of our um, stations on the on the local dial uh, recently, a, a commercial station that uh, likes to say that they play new music and uh, and they're just hyper local and and I thought, well, how local can you be when you don't even have anybody on the air? This is all pre-programmed. So everybody you hear here at Radio Boise is actually local. Is actually here. We have a couple of small uh, windows of syndicated programming, but I'd say 93%, I think they figured it out, 93% of our programming is uh, local, including public affairs shows like Big Tent Radio and Vital Idaho. So if that's important to you to have local voices on the air, I do hope that during the course of the next hour, you will give us a call or you can go online at radioboise.org. Org. And tell me a little bit about Big Tent Radio, because this is not normally the slot that you fill, but you started that, you guys started that show when? Uh, yeah, so we've been on the air for almost two years, um, and so it's a, it's a me and Charlie and another group of professors from the School of Public Service um, at Boise State, and you know what what we do is we, we bring on guests uh, from the community, or we talk about news, and we try to bring this, um, I guess, a level of analysis, a level to a smart audience, and talk about things that are you know kind of above the punditry that you see on, on you know, some of the the normal stuff and it's not for shock value it is to talk to a smart audience about the in-depth issues there um and some of the institutional factors that happen and ways of kind of understanding the very chaotic uh, things that are going on in our world today both the local and state but also some of the national things that are happening mm -hmm. and i couldn't be more excited to come on the show uh and join you guys and talk about some of this stuff i vital idaho typically delves into one does a little bit of a deep dive on one particular issue that's of interest to idahoans and it could have a 
international um, bend to it. It's, you know, like we've done some shows recently on um, vaping, for example, uh, student activism with the, um, the student strike over climate change, which was on September 20th, uh, a number of other issues as well. But, uh, you know, we have a, a pretty interesting news day going on just in and of itself right now. Yeah, I suppose you could say that. A few, uh, a, a few things going on. Obviously, uh, impeachment has been in the news uh, and well impeachment or lack thereof we'll see but um, you know a, a lot of interesting national stuff going on and and uh, you know comments the president made this morning uh, you know following up a shall we say an interesting visit from uh, the president of Finland yesterday uh, you know we'll we'll be diving into all of that for sure Uh you know, at least as far in as we can get. And I'm sure the news will uh, change drastically, even while we are Possibly sitting in here. Possibly while we're sitting uh, here. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so we'll, we'll try and we'll try and keep our eyes, uh, our eyes off the, the Twitter scrolling so that we can focus on you fine people. I don't know. Speak for yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that I'm completely updated because there could be something going on as we speak. Yeah, that's true. We could try, we could break some news here. Yeah. Well, so let, let's, let's, Go back and and just kind of like, do we want to talk about impeachment at the impeachment proceedings at this point, or do we want to dive into some local stuff first? Or well, let's start with the local, right? right. I mean, that's that. always always uh, good stuff to talk about, um, mm-hmm. particularly as we we kind of juxtapose what's going on locally and what's going on nationally and cre- create those connections. One of the great things you get at uh, Radio Boise isn't just talking about the national affairs, but we like to talk about how they affect things in the Treasure Valley as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess one of the the big stories or the big political things that are happening this year is the mayoral election. Right? Right. Right. Yeah, we've got a bunch of, uh, uh, you know, a bunch of candidates who even a few who jumped in right sort of before the deadline. Uh, Obviously, Mayor Beter is running for for reelection. And, uh, you know, who are some of these other, you know, as as a newly local uh, Boisean, can you guys tell me a little bit about some of these candidates? Can we? uh, Can we? Who are jumping in? I have to say, I mean, first of all, I was intrigued uh, that Boise City Council President uh, Lauren McLean jumped in, um, and she was originally appointed by Dave Beter and then reelected to her seat. so um, a little bit of a surprise there, I think possibly for the mayor's office as well to hear them talk about it. Um, not a lot of difference between, in my mind, to between those two very progressive candidates. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've, but then it's a really crowded field, seven total candidates. Rebecca Arnold, formerly of the ACHD, uh, uh, conservative candidate. Um, I think probably the most... Uh, interesting from the perspective of a of a um platform might be wayne ritchie who has no experience really in in politics but has is coming to it from a ban all newcomers apparently or all californians uh from moving to boise so californians specifically Californians yeah. specifically so i find him to be the most intriguing candidate for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons uh namely because if you took out the word california i've said this on the show before if you take out the word californian and replace it with any other gender race ethnicity nationality religion all of a sudden this becomes insane right wing i mean explode you know just crazy stuff where californians somehow 
that may I'm not gonna say he's a mainstream candidate, but somehow that makes this at least something that is. And so that just it's shot. Like I just think that's so crazy to run a platform like we're going to disenfranchise this group of people. They're not allowed to be part of our community. And, and I just like I'm just shocked to see that. And from what I've gathered so far, you know, sh- shocking or not, it that does seem to tap into something that. Uh, that you know, it may be a small minority, but that some people are feeling about uh, a lot of the the growth that's been going on in the area, right? You know, it's it's a it's been a long time uh, popular thing to bash on Californians moving into Boise. And as someone who was born here, and I, I distinctly remember Boise of the pre. 1980s, right? And and downtown was a ghost town. Uh, the Greenbelt was had you know was kind of starting to 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 form. We didn't have a mall yet. There were still conversations about putting a mall downtown. Uh, there were you know folks who wanted to tear down all of the the historic buildings. Uh, we've seen a lot of a lot of really good things happen because of the growth. Uh, and um, I I. I wonder how many people really are going to subscribe to this notion that growth is bad. Now, growth, unmanaged growth can be can be bad. And are we at a place where we need to do something to to manage that growth and, and grow in a smart way so that we don't turn into um, another example of cities that didn't do smart? You know, yeah, probably. Of course we do. Um, but maybe uh, maybe banning all Californians is not exactly the answer. If that, it, uh, if it were even growth. possible, would it even address the issue? Because like right. a recent study showed that most of the growth is coming from people in outside of Ada County in Idaho. Well, and I think that's going to be one of the interesting things that plays out in this mayoral election, right? Is the, like litigating over like what is means smart growth, good growth, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether or not that includes Californians or other people from Idaho or other people in Western states, whether it means new roads and infrastructure, if it means new urban renewal districts, like I think that's really what this is going to come down to is the idea of like how do we manage this growth and what is quote unquote smart growth and what is not smart growth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the candidates, I think that's really where they're going to differentiate on this point, right? Because I mean, a lot of the studies show that partisanship particularly like uh, Democrat Republicans does not matter at the local level right so that's not what to look for it's it's how they see this growth thing um, which is really important and interesting now that's not to say that um, the existing administration doesn't have some some folks kind of a little crabby about a few issues that have come up recently Um, and I would like to talk a little bit later about the ballot initiatives that have to do with the library because I'm totally confused about what exactly it is that we're going to be seeing yeah there's Um, been a lot of movement on that lately uh, from from what I gather so I'm excited to (laughs) both talk a little bit about and learn a little bit more about that as well mm-hmm. um, in terms of the, the the different candidates so from what I gather McLean is the is you know uh, from what I've read perceived to be sort of the main the main challenger to to beat her is that mm-hmm. is that uh, is that right yeah but the uh, another I mean really eye-opening candidate is Brent Coles mm-hmm. um, just the fact that that uh, it, it's been 16 years since the debacle that was his administration, and I just want to know who is um, on his advisory team. Um, no, I mean, that, that's the other candidate I was going to say that I wanted to talk about. Um, and again, I, I did not live in Boise when all this went down. But, you know, go back and reading the history, you're like, why does this guy think that his his 
I mean, his administration ended well enough for him to come back, right? It's not like he left on a popular note. So, I mean, uh, I guess the question might be is with all these new people in town, is, have, does he think that people have forgotten or what is what is going on there? But, I mean, again, I, I would I would look at his record and go, why? Because personally, I don't vote for any politician who's had to leave office because of corruption charges. Like, that's just not something that I, I think is a good idea. Well, I think, you know, it's possible that he's reading some signals from the national level where the level of scandal it takes to actually get you out of office or the level of scandal that, you know, certain voters will put up with if you want to get back into the game uh, has risen to such a high level that, you know, maybe maybe everything's off the table at this point. Uh, so so maybe, maybe those are some signals that he's reading. But you know, I also have to say, I, I grew up in uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, with uh, with a, a mayor who was, uh, you know, indicted and sent to jail the first time he was the mayor, uh, and then came back and ran again and won, and then he was indicted a second time and went to jail, and then came back to run a third time, and voters kept bringing him back because, I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, this was sort of before my voting time, but there's a lot of, uh, you, you know, when, when voters feel a certain way about a candidate or a local figure, uh, they'll put up with a lot. And so, you know, maybe maybe that's what Coles is thinking here. Uh, and again, uh, Beth, you're a Boise native, so maybe you can a- answer this question for us. Does Boise ever feel that strongly about Brent Coles? Well, you know what, I, he when he was serving... Um, I think part of what was so shocking about the end of his administration was that he was really well liked. He was a conservative uh, mayor, but he was progressive in a lot of different areas. Uh, So he had some good support on both sides of the aisle. And he was just the friendliest guy. I mean, just really, he never been a stranger. And I, I always liked him personally. I thought he was, and so it, when, when the, um, the situation happened where he, you know, there was some, there were some travel expenses and there were some, there was some mismanagement of funds. And um, just on a, a, a personal level, like, um, you know, some, oh gosh, it was some travel and some plays and some um, uh, renting of limousines when they were on a trip and by a couple of members of his administration, I don't remember exactly now, but he, uh, it just really felt like a betrayal. I just remember the community was so shocked because he was he was really really well liked, and I don't think you can come back. So there might be the old guard. They're gonna rem- those of us who remember him being run out. And there was uh, the um, there was an interim mayor I think um, who came in and she uh, uh, ran a really tight ship. And and city employees were pretty much unnoticed at that point. Uh, you couldn't buy like a muffin and expense it, you know, over coffee. Uh, and so there was a, just a level of of um, shocked, uh, just a, of shock and betrayal and feeling like we had been um, d- deeply misled, deeply by this by this uh, person who was really well liked in office. And so I, I he's totally misjudging if he's thinking about like the old guard who. You know, um, and and if there's new folk who are hoping that to get a more conservative person in office, I don't know that that's going to necessarily play out either. So I'm I'm not sure what he's thinking or who is advising him or where what angle he's taking on this. But I think there was a pledge to never run for public office again after he 
you know, was pretty much run out on a rail. Yeah. I mean, I think those these are all really good points. And I think speak to something we think about a lot with uh, elections and particularly with local elections and local politicians is this idea of trust. That trust is really central to uh, this kind of relationship that you have with the place that you're representing um, and, you know, how politicians can improve or break that trust uh, is really interesting. And particularly in the local space. Um, you know, there's a lot of research, uh, in, including, I will briefly, briefly plug some that I do, uh, which is about local connections that candidates have to their community. And that when when candidates and elected leaders are really deeply rooted in their communities, I mean, you were just saying, you know, that you grew up here and that that's, a, that's an important connection. And so uh, when politicians can, can show that, uh, you know, that can help a lot. But that is not to say that this is some ironclad you know, reason that, uh, you know, these scandals won't matter because they do matter because that constitutes a breaking of that trust. And that's, you know, in, in at least a lot of political science, that's really trust is really central to that kind of representational relationship. And so, you know, we'll see if if I mean, clearly Coles thinks that there is still something there that they're either that some trust is still there or that it can be rebuilt. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess we'll I guess we'll see if he's right. Mm hmm. Well, we are a state that has a, a history, though, of, of um, local politicians. Uh, uh, I'm just thinking of um, George Hansen, who was elected to um, Congress uh, after, I believe it was, it was after he had violated uh, um, congressional finance or uh, finance rules. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, my memory of history is so, so shaky, but I just remember, like, you know, we do have a we do have a little bit of a history of 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 electing people who've run afoul of the law. Um, and and I don't know if that's an Idaho thing or it well, doesn't sound like it is. Necessarily yeah. You know, I don't think it's an Idaho thing. Uh, I think it happens a lot in predominantly rural states that are mm-hmm. still largely based on the good old boy network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see it a lot through the South. And uh, I've definitely had these conversations uh, intently with my students on the idea of corruption. And the fact is a, a lot of people don't believe that they're being corrupt when they do this stuff. They just think that it's normal, um, that it is acceptable. And so, like, if everybody's doing it, and there's a, a great story. And so, like, nine of the I want to say eight of the last nine governors of Illinois have been indicted for something, right? And so Lagojevich is, like, very common. Like, that's sure. just a, a trend. And so uh, one of their governors in the 70s uh, got arrested because she uh, – or was indicted because she took bribes for an interstate – for to put an exit off the interstate in a very specific place. It's because somebody wanted to build a dog track there. Well, how they got caught was the person that gave her the bribe wrote it off in their taxes as a business expense. <laughs> oh and their argument to the IRS was, like, this is normal – this is the cost of doing business in Illinois. Like, I should be able to write it off. And the IRS was like, no, and then they called the FBI. Um, and so, like, when you're looking at that situation, like, everybody involved was like, oh, this is just normal. If I want an interstate exit, I have to give politicians money out of my pocket. So when you're looking at, like, the Bovkovich thing, like, that was not, I mean, it was corrupt. It was illegal. But it was also kind of in the norms of the political culture. Mm-hmm. And so what I would argue is that particularly in southern states, or not maybe southern states, but rural states that are very much based on the good old boy network, like there's not as much formalization. It's a lot more about the norms, the things that we kind of do and, you know, how we relate to each other and, and social networks. But as a state like Idaho has grown up and developed and Boise has become not a small city, but has come in a m- metropolitan area, like we've replaced all that with formal mechanisms there's pro- uh, processes there's procedures there's rules and so that idea of corruption i think has shifted um in american general but particularly in this retro- treasure valley interesting 
Well, we're coming up on uh, kind of the first third of our, our show, and I did want to take a minute to talk a little bit about Radiothon. We're two days in. We've got a um, another another one of these shows to go so we're 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 in this for the long haul but we'd love to hear those phones ring in a little bit uh this afternoon and we'd love to thank you on the air if you if you love public affairs programming this is you know we get a lot of folks who are really passionate about the music that it gets played on radio boise uh and sometimes the so even though we are the Avengers of public affairs programming, um, sometimes we don't get as much attention as some of our, our lovely um, music programmers. But if you love a little bit of talk radio from a, a local perspective and you want to support that uh, people powered radio in your community, call right now 208 258 2072 or you can go online at radioboise.org i'm a sustaining member it's 25 bucks a month doesn't not much to to sustain radio boise i'm actually a a hi-fi member which is that 25 bucks a month plus a little bit extra um, on a regular basis and we have a few fun premiums um 20 bucks a month will get you a radio boise hat or a beanie i think we've got one for every member of my family at this point i've been doing this for a little (laughs) bit of time uh, we got some new Radio Boise sunglasses and socks for $15 a month. We'll get you Radio Boise. I got to check those out. Um, I'm going to need one of those beanies in preparation for the Idaho winter now. So Yes, I, we, we're getting a little taste of that winter right that's about right. now. That's well. right. What I can tell you, uh, Beth, is what I, I love uh, about being a DJ or uh, host here at Radio Boise is the opportunity to talk about things like we're talking about today. And it's not just about local politics, but it's about the local community and how some of these big public affairs issues really uh, you know, affect Boise in personal ways. And it's something that you don't get on a lot of other stations. Um, and so that's why it's so important to continue to support Radio Boise, um, to donate. And so we can have these shows that where we're talking about the community in real ways and we're not uh, national pundits that are just throwing out whatever sells advertisements um we're talking about real issues that affect real people here in the treasure valley mm-hmm. and it's great because because you know the radio like you were saying earlier beth the, the radio boise family is you know in the community we see this stuff firsthand we're observing it every day in our jobs and our personal lives and uh you know that kind of local knowledge is really important uh you know rather than you know some national person coming in and trying to explain the mayoral race uh, you have us, the Avengers, instead mm. to uh, to do Avengers. that. That's right. Well, you you know you have us to do that, uh, and uh, you know I, I I think I think and I hope that we're able to bring that kind of local flavor and knowledge, and and that's why uh, that's why Radio Boise and stations like it are so important. I really get excited because uh, you know I'm out in the community, and I was at an Idaho Voices for Children event. Uh, earlier this week and I had um, you know we've talked about Medicaid expansion on my show and uh, I had someone come up and say we've got some new developments Uh, we've got the legislative session coming up and uh, I'd like to come on the show and talk a little bit about what is going on and these are complicated nuanced issues where it's it's hard to capture in a soundbite or a headline um, and I'm just so excited that people feel like they can come up and talk and say, can we get, can we get some time on the air to talk about these issues? And, and they know that I'm not going to be plugging, you know, any particular side of the issue. You know, I might, I might explore all sides and it's not going to be pro or anti anything in particular. Um, but these are nuanced issues and people, you know, you want an informed electorate. And we're kind of a part, that's why I think Radio Boise is part of a robust democracy and I'm really proud of that. 
So we did get a we did get a contribution, um, and it was from Pat in Boise, who is a, a, a longtime supporter. I can say that um, for sure of Vital Idaho because she's also my mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Thanks, mom, for for uh, making a contribution to People Powered Radio, and uh, uh, and being a longtime supporter of Radio Boise. All right. So uh, the other local issue I think we want to talk about today is uh, the library, right? Um, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, there's so much going on there. I don't think I truly understand it. And that might be uh, a commentary on it in itself, right? Is that it's so complicated that we don't really, nobody really understand, seems to understand what's happening. Seriously, here? I was looking that up and like, how do I explain how many, what two initiatives on the ballot? I have no idea what we're going to be voting on this fall. Yeah. I mean, one of the first uh, things I saw when I moved here a, a couple of months ago were all these signs, you know, yes, I support the library or no in the library. And uh, I've learned since then that it has, uh, it's a heated issue for a number of reasons, but in part because the process behind it has been, frankly, a little confusing. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to diving into, uh, you know, why it's been so confusing and where it's, where it stands now. Mm. Well, and it, you know, I think just the, uh, I think there's a there's an issue with regard to um, there's several issues I think with this I mean one is um, the price tag of going above the uh, 85 million dollars that's budgeted I think there are people who were who were really upset by there being a a very high end architect um, renowned for uh, libraries across the country but I don't there were some there were some folks locally who said why couldn't we find a local architect to design this and then there's still some other folks who were unhappy with the thought of moving um the the cabin the building that houses the cabin which is also a cabin and an historical site although the folks who are housed there are not super concerned with being relocated uh so just um a number of issues kind of surrounding that um and so there was the group that brought the um signatures to bring it, put an initiative on the ballot, and I think that's we're going to vote on whether we should have a say in in funding like that. I think is is well, and I think uh, and Charlie alluded to it earlier. I mean, there's just this entire other argument about the process by which this has happened, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think there's some people that have basically said like, I'm not against the library, but I am against the city council just deciding to spend this much money without it really going through some type of democratic process. And so that's just another issue to set aside even outside of this, right? And so it just seems like there's a lot of things swirling around out there. And so, I mean, it's just like, it should be a, you know, should we build the library or not? But instead there's six different arguments for or on every side. So. Well, and there's been, you know, some significant, uh, you know, from what I gather, significant controversy over the last, uh, especially over the last year, about the whole ballot initiative process to begin with, right, with uh, Medicaid expansion uh, happening or beginning or, you know, voters voting on it, but then, uh, you know, the legislature Lawmakers. taking specific yeah. steps uh, to sort of slow down or thwart that process uh, mm -hmm. and then, uh, you know the 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 bills that uh, I believe Governor Little ended up vetoing about uh, making changes to the actual ballot initiative process itself. Essentially, you know, making it more difficult, almost for, impossible uh, yeah. for for citizens to get uh, uh, for and groups like Reclaim Idaho, who was behind the the Medicaid expansion ballot initiative, to even get things on the ballot in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this raises some interesting questions about uh, you know what does or does not get on the ballot you know what kinds of what kinds of issues should 
do and should voters have a specific say on rather than, uh, you know, putting the process through the sort of, you know, more normal kind of small r Republican process of of the state legislature. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, oh, we have another contribution. Luke, what do we have? Uh, we have a contribution from Rebecca. In oh, thanks, Rebecca. Idaho. So Rebecca from Idaho. Thank you very much. Is this Rebecca in Boise? I'm, yes, it is. Yes. I know this, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, Rebecca. Rebecca in Boise. And she says, public affairs programs are one of the very special things about Radio Boise. Discussions about the community by the community. Yay. I agree with you, Rebecca. We do have fans. Yes. <laughs> I think these are best fans. But or you know, at least I feel Beth like after three thirties, no. when our fans will tune in, Charlie. Hopefully, That's and by our right. fans, will be my mom. But we'll see. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all of our moms, all of our moms need to call in. That number again, if you want, if you're a mom, or if you're not a mom, or if you're related to any of us or not, uh, is two zero eight two five eight two zero. Seven two, and this uh, this radiothon we have a a, a pretty um, aggressive I would say or maybe um, bold uh, uh, a goal of sixty five thousand dollars. We've we are expanding into a new space down here at the Alaska Center. Um, we are just we are just uh, bursting at the seams, as always, and uh, looking at ways to expand our our. Our space so that we can meet the demand for our existing program. Um, I know that one one of the really popular programs is Couch Surfers. We're typically like that has been in that live room back there, which is teeny tiny, uh, and we were able to more than um, double the amount of folks in there. So with this new space, so that number to call is two zero eight two five eight two zero seven two. Or you can go online at radioboise.org. If you just or, don't like talking to people. Or if you are so, if you really like talking to people and are so compelled, you can stop by the station. Uh, we're at 1020 West Main Street, uh, downstairs in Suite 50. Come say hello. And you can meet all your favorite community radio stars, like Charlie Hunt. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I mean, a lot of people you would think they would want to meet the actual Avengers, and here we are. So. Yeah, you put a uh, face to the uh, name and the voice that you hear every week. So stop by and see us. We are unmasked. That's right. Yes. That's right. Our They're identities regular, are no longer yes. secret. <laughs> They're Clark Kent personas. That's right. Mild-mannered Clark Kent. All right. So in terms of the, uh, just to sort of, you know, put a pin in our discussion on the library, do we have a sense of where it where it stands now? It's sort of in limbo, right? I, I, well, I was hoping you guys would know. I, was, I think <laughs> we're going to see two initiatives on the ballot, um, and one is to whether or not to vote on the library and one is whether or not to um, see this is where I messed up so I, I can't correct you but because uh, I'm confused about it all as well but Charlie I would my sense of this is that there's so much controversy around it that nothing's going to go forward right now um, that there's just if there is enough support it's going to be so like weak that nobody's really going to get this going right and so it's going to be kind of a failed project and so I, I think they're going to have to go back to the drawing board on this yeah start from scratch which is a huge shame because I mean we do need we do need that I mean that the, the existing library space downtown and uh, 
Uh, in the past, we've the, I know that the library has looked at expansion or remodeling or something because that is a, that is an outdated building, especially for a community of this size. And they've looked at mitigating the need a little bit with the branch libraries, which have worked really well. We've got some beautiful branch libraries out there, uh, but still, our downtown space is woefully inadequate for the size of city that we are. And you know, it's one of those things when we talk about growth. Uh, when people come to town, they look at the schools, they look at the libraries, they look at the parks and places like that. Um, I think they do a great job with the work, with the space that they have, but it is it's a, been a long time coming, um, and it would be I think uh, a sad thing if if we couldn't see something new and exciting, which I think they is is sorely needed. Well, and I, to pee back on that, I mean I think putting something on that end of Eighth Street to draw people back down to Bodo and all of that, um, and that end of I guess that's Myrtle right there, Front Street, because mm-hmm. um, it just kind of seems like when you get below. Uh, where like the P.F. Chang's is and all that, right? And the Buddha, you just kind of stop, right? And so I think putting something else down there to continue to draw people to walk down that street to experience all that stuff um, and not, like I think that's a part of growing downtown continually and adding new things in here um, and making good u- good use of that space that's growing there. Mm-hmm. So are we, are, are we going to, we're good break. to go. We're going to take a break here. And then when we come back, we'll um, continue Uh, But that number to call is 208-258-2072. We'll be back in just a second. Your home for independent, people-powered radio. This is Radio Boise, KRBX 89.9 FM, Caldwell. And welcome back to our special Vital Idaho slash Big Tent Radio Fall Radiothon mashup with the Public Affairs Programming Avengers. That's what we've decided have we? Have we decided on that? No, I'm good with it. I feel yeah, pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think we're really stepping into our roles here. So. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're evolving. So we've talked. A, we've talked a good uh, amount about uh, our our local happenings, um, uh, specifically the the ballot initiatives, the mayoral race. Uh, we've got some national stuff going on. That's that's never ending source of um, I suppose entertainment or alarm. It depends on what angle you want to come at it from i'm gonna go with entertainment because i find it fascinating well there's only so much sustained alarm my brain can take and Mm -hmm. so uh you know sometimes i think it's 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 important to sort of step outside of it for for a second and and try and observe it from the outside as as somewhat entertaining but uh certainly quite a few developments uh in the past couple days maybe i'll give sort of a a sort of very highly condensed version of what's been what's been going on uh so in the in the past couple weeks uh you know the the national news has been sort of dealing with the fallout from uh this conversation between president trump and uh president Zelensky of ukraine about uh you know this this sort of quid pro quo um though the republicans are saying that it's not quid pro quo uh of you know, uh, refusing to uh, give uh, military aid to Ukraine in exchange for uh, Ukraine essentially digging up dirt on Joe Biden, the, the current front runner or co-front runner for the Democratic nomination, uh, and Biden's son Hunter. Uh, so this this sort of took the news by storm, and uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats called for imp- impeachment hearings, and those have already begun. Uh, and since then, it's sort of been a 
shifting of strategies for the Republicans and for Trump, uh, specifically uh, in the last couple of days where yesterday the president of Finland came for a state visit and, uh, you know, during, uh, you know, both an Oval Office meeting and a following press conference, uh, the president, President Trump, uh, really went even more on the offensive than we are used to from him, uh, really sort of uh, lashing out at a couple of reporters for, for asking questions about this. And, and uh, it, was, it was really quite a, I guess we can say, explosive performance. Uh, and then this morning, I think even more, uh, even more so, uh, you know, in a, in a sort of a impromptu press conference, <laughs> essentially uh, doubled down and, and essentially said, you know, Ukraine should be looking into the Bidens. And you know what? China should be looking into the Bidens, too. And, and it was really kind of uh, astounding since a lot of the messaging from the Republicans has been about how, oh, it's not clear that it's quid pro quo. It's not really clear that he was, you know, asking them to look into the Bidens. And then he just goes and it's says it again. It's now. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, part of it has been trying to, like, disparage the whistleblower report and and, and uh, trying to show that it, you know, it didn't actually say anything about the call. But that's all sort of moot at this point because now he just kind of came out and said it. And so a lot of the, I think, debate that's going to be continuing is is on, you know, how serious of an issue this is. And, and now you sort of have a lot of prominent Republicans either refusing to comment or... Um, sort of essentially moving right on to, uh, okay, maybe this did happen, but actually it's okay that this happened. And so that's, I think, where a lot of the debate is going to happen next. So this is my, my question I'm going to pose to you, Charlie. Is playing the quid pro quo game with Ukraine or China or even suggesting this, I mean, is this a crime or is this just something that is very, like, distasteful? Well, uh it is a crime. Uh, it is again. It is specifically, uh, uh, you know, it, it may violate other sort of international things, but specifically in American politics, it violates campaign finance law. And actually, what you had, uh, uh, Jackie would be able to talk about this much better. But uh, the chairwoman of the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, has actually been out there. Uh, you know, immediately after this story first came out, you know, she she sent out a press release basically saying, I really need to reiterate here that this is that, uh, you know, soliciting, uh, you know, gifts or donations and things like political dirt on your opponent would fall under that uh, that sort of gift. Soliciting these things from foreign governments is not legal. It is literally a crime and one that that politicians have gone to jail for. Um, and so I think what a lot of the, de- the debate that at least sort of the, the Republicans would like to have about this is that uh, is whether he was explicitly doing that. But it's tougher for them to make that argument if he, you know, then explicitly does it again on camera in front of a bunch of reporters on the White House lawn. Uh, but yes, it definitely is a crime. Uh, but you know, one thing that's important to note here is that impeaching the president doesn't ha- is a political question rather than a legal question, right? And so impeachment doesn't have to come at the end of a pitched legal battle, and a, an actual crime doesn't have to have taken place, uh, though it certainly tends to make the political process easier when it has. But uh, you know, this is essentially a political crime. So this idea of high crimes and misdemeanors uh, that is contingent upon impeachment happening, 
uh, doesn't actually refer to a legal question. So that's an interesting part of this too. No, no, I, but I think this is going to be an interesting, I mean, that's an interesting element as this gets litigated in the public discourse about whether or not, again, because uh, that's that's part of what went on, I, I believe, with the, the Mueller report, right? Which mm. is, is what he did just outside of norms and kind of distasteful or is it actually a crime, right? And that's kind of what some of the nuance in the Mueller report went to. Uh, but I think that's going to be, an, again, an important element because I think the Republicans are willing to accept, or congressional Republicans are willing to accept a lot. The question is, are they willing to accept crimes, right? Because that ended up, again, being the key thing that the impeachment trials of Bill Clinton hinged on is whether or not he actually committed perjury, right? right. Um, and so it was not... We can all agree that if he did what he was accused of, it was politically distasteful, like he shouldn't have done it. But a lot of that hinged on the definitions of things that happened and whether or not it amounted to an actual crime. And so I think, again, that's going to be an important point as we we debate back and forth whether or not this was a violation of law or just something that he probably shouldn't have done. Right. And it's hard to... You know, it's hard to use a lot of historical precedent here because there there have only been a few impeachments, like, and, uh, you know few of them and for the most part have not been super successful it wasn't successful in the 1800s when uh, andrew johnson got impeached and obviously it wasn't successful with clinton either uh and a lot of times and and i think clinton is a good analogy here because you have sort of this legal basis in this case it was you know a fairly you know straightforward did he perjure himself or did he not uh but that wasn't that was just sort of the way in and that was sort of the uh impetus behind sort of this political question uh and what ended up happening with uh clinton as as many of us know uh is that the public actually kind of rallied around him and ended up having more distaste for the impeachment process and the way republicans were doing it itself than they did about his actual behavior whether he perjured himself or any of sort of the Monica Lewinsky business. And so, um, you know, that's that's what happened at that time. And so, you know, we're starting to get a taste for whether that's going to happen this time. And so far, it's not looking great for the president. So uh, with that said, like if Clinton is our, our best president here, are the Democrats not playing a dangerous game with this and, and the potential that they actually just, I mean, like help his reelection campaign um, in, in this sense? I think they, I mean, anytime you're talking about impeachment, it is a dangerous game, uh, whether you want to be playing it or not. Um, but I think there are a couple things here. One is that at some point, you know, the behavior gets to be too much to ignore. And there's, at some point, there is a political cost to not doing anything, setting aside sort of the, the, the moral, legal, or institutional questions of whether he should be impeached. Um, for a lot of Democratic voters, this is, uh, you know, a lot of the change we have seen in the polls on impeachment has actually come with a lot more Democrats getting on board with the idea of impeachment. So now being against impeachment at this point is a small minority in the Democratic Party among Democratic voters. And so uh, I think they are actually reaching the point where there's more of a cost to not doing anything politically than there is to... uh, to going through this process now that's not to say they can't screw it up uh and they very well may um it's it's easy to make mistakes in this process uh to sort of follow down a rabbit hole or 
you know, not having a good media strategy around these things. Um, and so, you know, we'll see what people like Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or uh, Adam, Representative Adam Schiff, who is the head of the Select Committee on Intelligence, who is uh, running these impeachment hearings. You know, there are there are ways this could go wrong for them. But, uh, you know, at this point, you're seeing a lot of Democrats and a lot of independents, frankly, um, coming around much more to the idea that uh, that that the president should be impeached. And so um, it's definitely risky. But uh, I think at this point for them, it's more risky not to. Hmm. No, those are fantastic points. Uh, and, you know, one thing I'll say is uh, it's fantastic to be here at Radio Boise and listening to an expert like Charlie discuss these di- these national I'm issues blushing. in details. Uh, and I'll just remind everybody. He's Avengers a, don't blush. He's a <laughs> professor of political science at the School of Public Service. And, you know, that's one of the great things about Radio Boise is we have these community experts that live here in Boise that talk about these things. Uh, and so you get this really uh, in-depth knowledge that, that's being communicated out. Um, so, I mean, people-powered radio, it's, it's one of the the fantastic things that goes on around here and if you are interested in supporting the continuation of people-powered radio i hope that you will consider a contribution and i have to say have i mentioned the um the the socks i did mention the socks and you were you were telling me valerie these this is the the risky business package it makes so much sense now that i'm looking at the socks with the sunglasses the radio boise socks with the sunglasses okay so that's 15 dollars a month or 180 dollars uh, a contribution you can make online at RadioBoise.org or by calling us here at 208-258-2072 uh, or any contribution. Um, and we'd love to read your name on the air if you're interested at all in supporting people-powered radio and, a, you know, a, a, a really robust conversation about stuff that's going on in your community and beyond which this has been really enlightening for me um well it was interesting we were talking about you know we were talking about how it's important to have local voices for local issues i think it's also really important to have local voices for national issues Mm -hmm. and local perspectives on this national news um you know especially in a place like idaho which is you know traditionally a very red state uh you know boise a blue city in a red state and, uh, you know, looking at how sort of public opinion around impeachment and how Idaho's representatives will and won't respond, uh, I didn't see that they had made any uh, particular responses to the news today, but I guess, I guess we'll see. But it's important to have those, those, those local voices on uh, national, for uh, these national perspectives. And it looks like we have another uh, donation, someone who appreciates these local voices on on uh, on national issues uh thank you to dorothy hunt my mom for making thank you dorothy uh, uh, mom's rule moms do rule uh and and my mom uh rules uh quite a bit especially because uh she and my dad were they're okay they were in a in a rough car accident the other day and uh so she is at home recovering she's doing great uh well enough i guess to uh, be listening to our dulcet tones. Grab the phone and, and, and pick up her credit card. That's right. So, Mom, I always appreciate it, but I appreciate it even more today. Wow. So, thank you. And I that's... would uh, 
also like to throw out that uh, your parents are back in Rhode Island, which means that we do have a national audience for this. And so uh, while we focus on treasure, uh, the Treasure Valley and local fair, we are uh, we are a national audience. We uh, are a national audience. And I do know that we've online, uh, we've had international uh, listeners before. We've had folks who enjoy some of our shows or who are uh, friends with, with different personalities here on Radio Boise. And so uh, we don't, we I get asked that a lot. Um, how, how many listeners do you have? And I, you know, it's probably a pretty small market share. We don't uh, we don't subscribe to the service that lets us like know exactly what what that is. Um, but it's we're we're growing and um, and it is we are numbering in the thousands and our reach is in expanding as well uh, because people um, appreciate and even regional news. And I know that I've had people from Soda Springs, uh, from various parts in in um, eastern Idaho, when we've had different topics talking about um, the INL and uh, issues related to the aquifer, which we you know we have a we have a broader interest base uh, than just Boise or the Treasure Valley. Um, we'd love to see some more participation from some of our Canyon County folks. I know that they can hear us live on the air uh, as well over there, and we're getting out into um, some of the different festivals and visibility events over there. Uh, so our Canyon County peeps, we love you too. So. Well, and I got to say, as a as a newcomer to the state and to the and to the Treasure Valley, I mean, I I appreciate Radio Boise because it is in a lot of ways a microcosm of the valley and of the city. Um, you know, we have a lot of diverse voices on here um, representing a bunch of different parts of the community, and you know, I've appreciated as sort of a learning process, uh, you know, getting integrated into the to the Radio Boise family and. And, you know, that's helped me learn more about the area and learn more about the state uh, and, and the Treasure Valley. And so um, that's something I appreciate about Radio Boise. So, again, if you want to if you want to make a donation, if you feel that same love, uh, you can give us a call at 208-258-2072 or you can go online at RadioBoise.org to make a donation. That's something that you make that point. And I and I'd like to reiter- reiterate that because. Uh, I've been involved with you know nonprofits uh, my entire career in Boise, and um, to come to Radio Boise and become a programmer and become involved with our hundreds of volunteers, it's an entirely new community. Uh, um, some familiar faces, but really a lot of new people that I haven't ever met before, and it's an instant family of hundreds of people um, who are very passionate, and then they're branching out into the community and broader and broader ways you know being part of tree fort and some of the some of the, the music scene around here um it's a great way if you're one of those newcomers uh whether you're from california or you know rhode island or wherever uh or the south you know we come to radio boise and you're part of a family right away right away uh and in fact, we'll have, if you're one of our donors, you can come to our Radiothon pickup party, which is always a good time. This year, it's going to be at Clairvoyant Brewing on Thursday, November 14th from 5 to 9 p.m. Uh, and that's always a fun party where you can come and pick up your risky business package with your socks and your sunglasses. That's right. You'll have to wait till you get home to, Do to not, change. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, shout out to, to Clairvoyant. It's one of the first breweries I went to here. Very, very delicious beer. So if you want to pick up your stuff and, and have a good beer, uh, we'll be there so you can so you can pick up your 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 different packages, risky business or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And we're coming up to about just 10, 10 more minutes uh, before the end of the show. Would love to get one or two more callers in. And why don't we do we need to take another quick break? Okay, we'll just keep going. Um, we did talk about 
I don't know that there's any other international or national news that's more riveting than than the impeachment um, you know, stuff going on. Charlie, would you mind uh, talking and tell us a little bit about what's going on in the presidential elections? Because we know that's another subject that you're an expert on. Oh, I, I mean, I suppose it is. So, you know, obviously a lot of this impeachment business is tied in closely with the 2020 election because it's about interference in that election. I mean, one of the interesting things, you know, Luke, you were mentioning the, the Robert Mueller report before, you know, that was that was a different kind of, I mean, it was a similar issue, but it was different because it was about a retrospective election. But this is about Joe Biden, who is, you know, currently, depending on which poll you look at, leading in the polls uh, to be the Democratic nominee. And so this is sort of, you know, if, if this is a crime, it's kind of an ongoing crime. And so, uh, you know, that's certainly shaken up the race a little bit. I mean, all of the Democratic candidates uh, have pretty uniformly called for impeachment at this point. Um, you know, it, it used to be kind of an open question, uh, but now it's not really open anymore. All of the candidates are for impeachment. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there have been a couple of other uh, developments lately. Um uh, Bernie Sanders, actually, who's who's you know generally sort of agreed to be kind of in third right now behind Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden, uh, had a, a slight medical emergency the other day and actually had to had to go into the to the hospital and and uh, get some stents implanted. Uh, we're hoping he has a speedy recovery. He does seem to be, he says he's going to be back on the trail in a couple of days um, and is expected to. Uh, to be in the uh, debate, the next debate that's coming up on October 15th, I believe. Uh, and we'll be back to 12 candidates on the stage at once for that debate. Well, and you can't help, but um, it, it, there's no doubt that he is, you know, he's on the campaign trail. Uh, he doesn't appear to ever be slowing down a very, you know, energetic, robust candidate, but he is 78 years old. Uh, right. And and um, folks, you know, I'm I'm sure on on his campaign are are feeling anxiety over what the the optics of this are, yeah. uh, and I mean it, it it does anybody could have a medical issue uh, while they're campaigning. It's a really arduous process, um, and you know my hat's off to I hope to be you know I don't think I could. I, last uh, a presidential campaign as in the health I'm in right now oh god no I certainly couldn't either so but um but they have to I'm sure have to be wondering what what kind of pall this might cast over the rest of the campaign yeah I mean this is a question that's been raised in fact about about I mean all three of the front runners right now Joe Biden Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders are all 70 or older um Warren is a little bit younger I think she's 70 mm-hmm. um and fr- and speaking of having a ton of energy I mean she she is running around bopping around all the time at these campaign events and and uh you know uh, fr- frankly acts a lot younger than she is uh but you know Joe Biden is i think he's 77 or 78 as well um and and by the way Donald Trump is also uh in his mid 70s so you know this is age is has been a question uh that's that's happened in presidential campaigns before specifically for you know these health reasons and so um, you know the 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 optics aren't great, and so I think he, you know, Bernie will probably be trying to, um, you know, uh, allay those fears uh, in the coming weeks, and I think he'll have to do so pretty fast because, um, you know, there hasn't necessarily been a ton of fluctuation in the polls, at least not as much as there have been in past presidential elections, but. If there's one clear trend that's been happening these past few months, it's been Elizabeth Warren's consistent 
super consistent meteoric rise to pretty much the top of the polls. I mean, several national polls now have her ahead. Um, and that's it's got to be worrying Joe Biden, but I think it specifically is worrying the Bernie Sanders folks because, you know, one thing the polls do say is that most of Warren's support has come not so much from uh, Biden voters, but from, you know, some of the lower tier candidates and mostly from uh, Bernie Sanders voters. Um, and so, you know, that's got to really? be that's got to be worrying them. I mean, I think <clears throat> I think what you know, the, the theory of the case here is that um, a lot of support Bernie Sanders supporters in 2016 who supported him over Hillary Clinton, that that wasn't necess- that, you know, certainly part of those voters were, you know, a very progressive sort of ideologically progressive base of voters who were looking for a progressive candidate. But I do think it's possible that there were a lot of other voters who were just sort of looking for someone who wasn't Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, and and Bernie sort of filled that gap. But well, this time around, you have a lot of really high quality candidates filling that gap, including Elizabeth Warren, and so she's pulling over a lot of that latent support. I think. So, do you think any of the uh, Dem uh, Democratic candidates are going to use the Ukraine issue to try to weaken Biden because he's been the front runner up to this point, or do you think they're going to try to stay uh, stay away from it because it's so radioactive right now it's changing so fast every day that i think uh it's it is pretty radioactive uh i you know it's still hard to tell at such an early stage for example whether it will hurt or help joe biden uh my sense is that in the long term this even though it sort of pits him as a fighter against donald trump and and you know sets up this kind of natural clash which otherwise might be good for him it's it strikes me as something that wouldn't do him any favors in the general election because you know what happened last time with with Hillary was that you know whether there was any impropriety or not with any of sort of of her dealings or Bill Clinton's dealings uh you know Trump uh you know whatever his other faults was very skilled in campaigning in in sort of casting this shadow over her and there's a lot of concern, I think, in the Democratic Party, and particularly with the Biden camp, that that's what he would do with Biden, with this whole, with this scandal, and that sort of try and turn it back on him. And so for the other candidates, the question is, you know, well, what's he going to do to me if I'm the nominee? And there's the question of how to address these sort of, these kind of, uh, you know, generally reported to be baseless allegations against Biden. And and for the most part, they've really leaped, you know, leaped to his defense. Uh uh, and and there's not much hay you could really make out of this anyway, even if they wanted to. Um, and they have such, especially candidates like Warren, have such sharp differences with Biden on a lot of policy issues. I think they would be, you know, I'm not I'm not any of their campaign managers, but for them, I think it would be wiser to stick to, to stick to the policy and not sort of try and kind of you know. Uh, you know, help the Republicans by by beating up on Joe Biden and on this adopting issue. their talking points. Right. On, yeah, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't seem like it would be a very wise move. And 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 there are plenty of uh, the thing is uh, with a lot of these candidates, they're all flawed, and there are many kinds of uh, you know arguments you could make against any of them on a lot of different issues. There are plenty of you know things other candidates have said about Joe Biden that has nothing to do with this. I think they'd be wiser sticking to. To some of those uh, those policy issues, yeah. Interesting. We're coming up. We got about coming up to the top of the hour here. Uh, just a few more minutes, but you can still call. That number is two zero eight two five eight two zero seven two. We're going to be back with our News Avengers show. 
This is catching on. The sequel. On. Yeah. The sequel. yeah. This, is a, this is Avengers Infinity War, and this next one will be the Avengers Endgame. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so stay tuned to see who lived and who did not. <gasps> yes, but please donate in the meantime donate. so you can continue to support Radio Boise. Uh, now, we everybody here in the booth today, we're all volunteers, including Charlie, who gave you that fantastic wow. commentary. Yeah. commentary. But we're all volunteers. Uh, but So all this money you're donating helps to support everything that goes on here because unfortunately it's not free um we don't even have air conditioner in this booth and it's a million degrees right now yeah so all your money uh doesn't go to ac but it does go to support other things around here um so we are doing this on a shoestring budget but we're trying to do great things um because this is people powered radio so please donate please call in and support um you go to the you can call you can go to the website or you can stop by and we'll still be here for a couple of minutes if you want to come by and meet us face to face and we've got first thursday going on down here um there'll be snacks and uh, we have we have some great um, we've got food here we've got smoothies from Tree City Juice and Smoothie Cafe we'll be having pizza down here from North End Pizza Dawson Taylor supplies our coffee so thank you to those uh, donors that keep us uh, fed and hydrated throughout the course of the day and that's it for us tonight and I don't even know what shows on after you guys what is this coming up uh, counterspin counterspin is coming up so stay tuned for some more great public affairs programming and we will we'll chat with you next week we might be on in intermittently on other shows so uh thanks you guys it was a lot of fun it was a pleasure yeah this is great